This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. I was on Twitter this morning and they were talking about the impending baseball strike. And I was like, who cares about Major League Baseball right now? It just is so much to carry. If anything can bring me to tears about this, it's when they interview the mothers in Ukraine protecting their children. So I don't know if you saw the statement of Mrs. Zelensky, is that what we call her, the president of Ukraine's wife? where she said that I will project calm, confidence to my children. I will not have panic. I will not have despair. These powerful mother statements, which is just unbelievable. And it's also just heartbreaking. So I think there's just so much to take in at this point. Welcome to Fluster Clucks with Lynn Lyons, where we talk about a family's anxiety and other big feelings. Serious stuff without being too serious. I'm your co-host, Robin, and I'm Lynn's sister-in-law, and I'm here to ask your questions. And I'm Lynn Lyons. I'm an anxiety expert, speaker, mom, and author. I've been a therapist for over 30 years. Parenting can be a Fluster Clucks, and I'm here to help you find your way. And I'll even tell you what to say. So, Lynn, we have really upsetting news headlines, and we're now almost two years in to doing this podcast together. And of course, I've gotten a lot of free therapy out of it. So I have been aware. Wait, you you thought it was free? (laughs) You're like, my bill is in the mail. (laughs) But moments like these when we just feel like we've all been hit with a lightning bolt of uncertainty or panic or tragedy, Mm -hmm. what are the things we really need to be thinking about? And what are the things we need to be thinking about in relation to our kids? I was just talking to somebody yesterday, actually, and they were talking about going through the pandemic and then they had some deaths in the family during the pandemic, not related to the pandemic. And she said, this just Like, I just don't know that I can take anymore. That was her feeling. And the other thing that I think we experience, which is really very similar to the way that I felt at the beginning of the pandemic, was this idea that it felt so surreal. Is this really happening? You know, your brain is trying to come to terms with sort of what's going on and is this real? Knowing that those are really normal feelings to have at this point, of course, along with every other feeling of just sort of feeling so angry and overwhelmed. And then, trying to manage your normal family life. I think the important thing now is how we talk to our kids about it and what they're being exposed to and what the news is saying, what they're hearing and our reactions. So I think maybe it would be helpful if I just went through some of the things that are really important to pay attention to at this point. Similar to what we talked to at the beginning of the pandemic, similar to what people talk about whenever there is a huge, enormous, scary thing going on in the world, How do we help our kids through it? I think I know one of the things you're going to say, because it's really something that you talk about in relationship to daily interactions with our kids, but it's just as relevant now, which is, can we learn to manage our own reactions Mm -hmm. so that we aren't modeling an overreaction that frightens our kids? Right. 
Yep, that's what's first on the list. Watch your own language and your emotional responses because they are looking to you. It's the very same thing that when a little toddler falls down and scrapes their knee or bumps their head, they stand up and they look at your face and they are waiting to see what your reaction is. This is based on the fact that we are social beings. We are constantly reading the responses and the reactions of the people around us. So it's so important for you to pay attention to your reactions and your responses. That's really going to set the tone for what your kids are going to be able to manage and how they're going to be able to deal with this. Developmentally, if you've got little kids, there is no reason that they have to hear about this because they don't understand the language. They don't understand the content. All they understand is that you're upset. All they understand is that there's something going on. They can't make sense of this. So be really careful. Even if you've got babies, if you've got toddlers, be really careful about the energy you're putting off because they're feeding off of that. They're picking up on that. So pay attention to what you're saying. Pay attention to what's what's on in the background. There's interesting research that happened, and I think I talked about this before, but after 9-11, one of the things that they found when they were talking to kids is that when the TV was on and they were showing the planes hitting the Twin Towers over and over and over again, little kids thought it was happening over and over and over again. Now, it's a little bit different now because sadly, it is happening over and over and over again. But pay attention. They are taking in that information. They don't know what to do with it. They don't know what to, to make of it. So protect little kids from that onslaught of video images, of language, of words. It's really okay to, to protect them from this. The TV is not really a great thing right now to have on in households for that reason. Yeah. No, it's not. Be really careful about having the, having the television on now and having it on in the background and even the radio you know, do people still listen to the radio? Yeah, we, we have the radio on in our house in the background. We listen to classical music and then they come on with the news. Just pay attention to, to what kids are hearing. If you have older kids, even elementary age, and they're going to be asking questions, it's important to give them basic information. So I've seen people suggest, which I thought was a wonderful suggestion, if you have like a second grader or a third grader or a fifth grader, take out a map and show them where Ukraine is, show them where Poland is, give them a visual that shows them where this is in the world so that they can make some sense of it. I think that's a really helpful suggestion. So we're not talking about things in, in such an abstract way. It really is okay, too, to talk about this in language that they can understand, which is basically that Russia and Putin have gone in and taken over something that's not theirs. So most kids at a very young age, you know, if we're not, we're talking school age kids, can understand that concept of what it's like for someone to come in and take what's not theirs. It's been interesting when I hear that it's a war, I sort of bristle at that word. I feel like invasion, right? But but when we talk to kids that somebody came in and decided that they're going to take what's not theirs, kids can understand that as a concept. So using metaphors, being able to put it in a context that kids understand. The other thing that might be really helpful to talk to kids about is that a lot of the people in Russia are very much against this. 
because we want kids to have a more nuanced understanding of what's going on, that this is a dictator who's coming in and doing this to other people. There are a lot of people in Russia that have family in Ukraine. There are a lot of people in Russia who don't agree with this. I think it's really okay with your older kids to have that discussion so they understand more the nuance of this. So we don't set it up as sort of Russia bad, Ukraine good, that we really let them know that this is really about an individual doing something. And to talk about how the whole world is trying to figure out what to do to stop this. I think is a really important thing to talk about. I think it's really important to let them have their feelings about it, to be confused about it, to be angry about it. So, so many times on this podcast, we've talked about emotional literacy, the ability to put your feelings into words. This is a really good time to help your kids find those words to describe what's going on inside of them and for you to model the many feelings that you might be having also. Don't dismiss what they're feeling. Don't minimize what they're feeling. Help them put it into context. And this is a really great time to talk about empathy, that even though this is a really far place, it's far from us, maybe we don't know anybody that's Russian or Ukrainian, but we can understand the humanity of it, that these are people who are being displaced. These are people who are scared. These are people whose lives are being threatened in so many ways. Talk about that so that you can create some empathic connection with your kids. You want to do it in small doses, but it really is helpful for them to be able to talk about that. Lumen is the world's first handheld metabolic coach. It's a device that measures your metabolism through your breath. And on the app, it lets you know if you are burning fat or carbs, and it gives you a tailored guidance to improve your nutrition, workouts, sleep, and even stress management. So how Lumen works is that you breathe into the Lumen device first thing in the morning, and you'll know what's going on with your metabolism, whether you're burning mostly fat or carbs. And then Lumen gives you a personalized nutrition plan for that day based on your measurements. You can also breathe into it before and after workouts and meals, so you know exactly what's going on in your body in real time. And Lumen will give you tips to keep you on top of your health game. I love the extra data that I'm getting about my health right now. Because for many women of my age, as we are going through a long chapter of hormone changes, Lumen's helping me use my body's data to make the best choices. So your metabolism is your body's engine. It's how your body turns the food you eat into the fuel that keeps you going. And because your metabolism is at the center of everything your body does, optimal metabolic health translates to a bunch of benefits, including easier weight management, improved energy levels, and better sleep, which is key. So Lumen gives you recommendations to improve your metabolic health. So what is metabolic flexibility and why should you care? Well, the key to metabolic health is something called metabolic flexibility. We love flexibility at Fluster Clucks, and that's where Lumen really shines. It refers to your body's ability to efficiently switch between using different fuel sources like carbs and fats, and there are preferred times to use each, and how well you can switch places you on the metabolic flexibility spectrum. So after getting to know you through your breath, Lumen gives you a metabolic flex score that you can track and improve upon. So if you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fluster to get $100 off Lumen. That's L-U-M-E-N-D-O-T-M-E. And use Fluster at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. 
If you are a mom who's trying to keep your calendar organized, keep your family's appointments where they need to be, then I'll tell you, the Skylight Calendar is a product that you ought to check out. You know how it is. Running a household can be pure chaos and it can be so stressful. This is why you need to check out the Skylight Calendar. It is going to make your life easier, mom. It really is. The Skylight Calendar is a smart touchscreen calendar and organizer for all your chores, groceries, to-do lists, and a great way to manage appointments to make sure they never overlap and they're never missed. It helps keep busy households on track so families can get time back for moments that really matter. The Skylight Calendar is so easy to use and to set up. It's not going to frustrate you. You're going to be able to get it going within minutes. It syncs events from other family calendars, including Google, Apple, Outlook. You can add events directly using the touchscreen or with the free Skylight mobile app. Updates to linked calendars will automatically appear on the Skylight calendar at home. So no more worrying that you guys are going to forget something. No more cluttered paper calendars. It shows all family events together in one spot. The events are color-coded so you can easily see what everyone has going on each week. When the calendar's not in use, you can turn it into a digital picture frame. It's 100% satisfaction guaranteed. If you don't love the Skylight calendar, you'll receive a full refund. They offer a 120-day money-back guarantee and free returns. You can't beat it. I think the feature that I love most is the collaborative way we can all add to the grocery list. And then when I'm ready to place an online order, whether I'm at home or my office, I have that list and there's no more items that we forget. So as a special time-limited offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight calendar when you go to skylightcal.com slash flusterclucks. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-C-A-L dot com slash flusterclucks. Mother's Day is coming right up. So order today to get 15% off your purchase at skylightcal.com slash flusterclucks. If a child has a desire to do something, to encourage something as well. Yeah, exactly right. Here are the questions that that if I were dealing with a younger child, I would say to them, what have you heard about what's going on so that you can figure out what information they've gotten because they're going to hear it in school or they're going to pick things up. What have you heard? And do you have any questions that maybe together we can try and answer? So listen to their questions, see, and if you don't know the answer, see if you can find the answer. And then also ask them, what do you think, or what have you heard about what other people are doing to help, right? Which brings us right back to Fred Rogers, of course, right? Look for the helpers. What are we seeing that people are trying to do to help? And then to ask them, is there anything you think that we can do to help? Or do you have any ideas about what might be something you can do to help? And it can be a very small thing. They can write a letter. They can wear Ukrainian colors to school. They can find out if there's a place that's taking some sort of donations. Creating or, or making room for that spirit of, of generosity and helpfulness is really, really important. It's just brutal. It's brutal that kids have to witness this. It's more brutal that kids are experiencing this. It's just, it's just heartbreaking. So we've got to be steady. We've got to be clear. We've got to make room for it. We've got to 
look for opportunities to foster empathy, to give them suggestions or to come up with ways that they can feel like they're doing something active so they don't feel so helpless. But of course, we all feel kind of helpless about this, don't we? Okay, we got the kids covered. What about the parents? I mean, yeah, we just admitted like we're addicted to our Twitter feeds. Mm -hmm. What is the right way to take care of ourselves with this? Or Mm -hmm. what rabbit hole do we want to stay away from? For me, I was off Twitter for a while after January 6th and all that kind of stuff. I really just had to take a break from it and it felt good. But this morning I woke up and I was right back on it looking to see what was going on. I think it's a matter of putting some time limits around it, to be honest. Being able to say, I'm not going to absorb myself in this all day. It was sort of what I started doing during the pandemic and even during all the other stuff that was going on in the country around that time. I would give myself a period of time, maybe it was in the evening, where I would gather some information. Maybe I would watch one show or spend some time on Twitter. I'm giving myself that advice as I'm giving all of you that advice, that it really is about limiting your your time, making sure that you are continuing to do the things that you need to do for yourself. So Robin, honestly, I just like, I mean, I really, I feel, I feel the same way. It is just horrific. It's awful. I'm really just trying to limit my exposure to it. I've got to do my job. People have to do their jobs. It's just awful. I don't know. Is there a way we can get around the awful? I don't know that there is. I think we're just going to feel awful. It's awful. You know, there's that worry about what's coming next, right? We start catastrophizing, but it's kind of a catastrophe. You know, this isn't, I say all the time, like when worry shows up, it says, this is not an emergency. Okay. This is an emergency. So it's just hard. It's the reality This is different than worry and ruminating and catastrophizing when we're putting into the context of our anxiety. This is real. This is awful. So that's not very helpful. But I'm just saying, everybody, this is awful. It feels awful. Yeah. Well, it's validating because you said something earlier that when we don't even feel like this is real, Mm -hmm. that's a very different category of trying to process something. Mm -hmm. You know, here's what's sad the floodings, the climate catastrophe. There are so many things that we're almost jaded and numb to because Mm -hmm. they happen so much now. It's terrible when it's like, oh, well, this hasn't happened that much. So now we're having to experience this where we can't even process it. We're not numb to it. It's shocking. Right. And I don't think that being numb to tragedy is the answer either. I'm just saying that we're going through a new cognitive experience Mm -hmm. this week just as we had at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. You know, getting numb to tragedy, this is a way that we protect ourselves. I think that's what we do with school shootings now in this country, right? Because we can't, we, 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 we turn off a part of ourselves in order to function. And when you're confronted with something, and we shouldn't do that, of course, we shouldn't do that. It's this self-protective thing that we do. And that in in and of itself is tragic. So when we're confronted with something that, it's just overwhelming. This is when when people are in shock, like when something horrible happens in your life and people will say, like, it just didn't feel real. I just couldn't understand that it was really happening. I just couldn't take it in. I think a lot of us are feeling that. Imagine what it must feel like if you're sitting in a bunker with your three babies in Ukraine, how it must feel so hard to process all of this. I think our brains are just trying to figure it out. It just is overwhelming. 
So people might be having weird dreams. They might be having difficulty falling asleep. You might feel like you're tearful. You might feel like you want to escape. There's all sorts of ways that that we try and deal with this, but it's overwhelming. The most important thing is that our kids are watching us. They're watching us. And we have to model for them, not what we want them to do because they're kids, but we have to show them that we are steady, that we are here, and we have to protect ourselves and we have to protect them from a constant onslaught of this information. It's happening. I don't want people to ignore it or deny it, but if your kids are little, you can absolutely protect them from it. One of the things I learned from you early on in this pandemic, too, is that say you ended up having kind of a pretty powerful reaction in front of your kids and you realize, I shouldn't have done that. Like, I let Mm -hmm. it go and I shouldn't have. The antidote is the power of silliness. Help Mm -hmm. your kids feel safe again by creating silliness and a space Mm -hmm. for silliness. Yeah. And even if that feels hard, like to create silliness, just don't forget about play during this. Like, don't forget about play. The other thing, too, is that if you have a big reaction and you're like, oops, I had a big reaction, just talk about it a little bit with them. Say, oh, the reason I was so upset was because I saw something on TV or the news that really upset me. And I talked about it with my friend or I had a good cry. And now, you know, I'm we're going to have to handle these big feelings we're having. You can help them put some words to what was going on with you. So they're not like, oh, my God, what the heck happened to mommy? But don't forget about play. Kids need play. They need connection. They need play. That's one of the things when we're going through this stuff like this is don't get fully absorbed You know, if you're looking at your phone, if you're talking about it all the time, stay connected to your kids in a way that is kid-like. So yeah, the play, the connection, the love, they need that. They need to see some normalcy in that for sure. So I think maybe one of the things that, that we can all think about, because we do feel a little helpless. We do feel a little overwhelmed. We do feel disconnected from this in some ways is to just take an opportunity to think about how you are going to show your kindness to the world, right? How are you going to, what are, what are, what's some small thing that you can do that sort of reminds you and reminds the people around you that there still is kindness and there still is empathy and there still is connection in the world at a time when it just feels so so awful. I think we're seeing a lot of that when you watch the news. Those are the things that are so heartwarming and so sad. Can I admit something that isn't maybe the most um, mature, but I was very proud to show my teenage daughter the woman who fearlessly confronted the Russian soldiers, asking them to put sunflower seeds in their pockets. One of the things that I find is that this is complicated and there's a duality to it. And I think that for my kids who are older, there are just as many examples of of incredible courage and bravery and defiance and unity that I think sharing with my kids feels kind of purposeful right now for them to understand how complicated these situations are. They're not simplistic at all. So I want to raise kids who understand all the different nuances of of this and showing the protests in Russia, showing the defiance of the Ukrainians protecting their homes. There are these things to show what really matters. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I, and I think that's that's a great thing to talk about with your older kids is to say, like, look at this display of courage. Look at these look at these people that are going out into the streets of Russia and protesting. Right. They're going to get arrested. It's not going to go well for them. So I think that's exactly right. And there's there's a lot of courage. There's a lot of honesty. There's a lot of bravery. There's a lot of just a lot of love in there. That is the duality right in the in the face of all of this. And then there's just a lot of crap that people are saying and doing that pisses me off. But I'm trying to stay away from that. I'm trying to channel Fred Rogers. I'm trying. I'm trying. Look for the helpers. Look for the love, right? Oof. Yeah, it's tough. That's the tough part of this is that we feel so powerless because there are still a group of people who are in charge and are making these huge decisions that impact all of these lives, right? So there are there's the mother trying to protect her children. There are the people who are making Molotov cocktails. There's Jose who's making huge pots of soup at the Polish border. And then there are these other powerful people that are deciding what happens next. And that is just so, so hard to sit with. It's so hard to be a like you say, this position of duality where you're feeling so many different things at once. You're seeing individual courage and you're seeing bravery and you're seeing love. And then you're seeing people making decisions that are evil. Evil. Yeah. It's so hard. This is the human race, man. This is, this is what human beings do. It's so hard to be a part of. It's so hard to watch. Lynn, why don't we put a thread in our Facebook group where listeners can maybe ask specific questions about how they're handling this with their families, where we can all uh, contribute to the conversation and you can offer a little bit more specific support. That would be great. I'd also just love to hear how people have handled this and things that people are doing. If you have come up with something that you're doing with your nine-year-old or your eight-year-old or your 15-year-old that has really been helpful for you, please share it with the rest of us because we're all just trying to get through this and figure this out. The link to the Facebook group is in the show notes, so join us. What can we say? Here we are, tolerating uncertainty in such a challenging way. Hug your kids. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.